when the opportunities came around, they'd come back and say, actually, I, I remember you helped me there. And actually, I need you to help me with this. And once you get going on that, it becomes a bit of a snowball effect. And, and all of a sudden, you, you start to build things. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm super excited to be joined today by David Fleming. David is the Managing Director of Acuity Partners, which is the search brand from Stanton House. David established the business this year, and they're already on track for a seven-figure net fee income in their first full year, which is incredible. Acuity Partners delivers leadership searches for C-suite and director-level mandates within technology-led businesses and investors. David actually has 25 years experience in recruitment. He's run multi-million pound P&Ls and he's managed teams of over 100 consultants. David, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Mark. Very good to be on, on the podcast. We've had to reschedule this twice already. I think once was you and once was me. and We had some technical issues, so I'm so happy we're finally doing this. There, there, um, there won't be any technical issues today. It's going to go very smoothly. Absolutely. Touch wood. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, I've got a cold, so you'll just need to bear with me if I'm a bit husky. Um, so listen, David, you were referred to me by your business partner, Nick Eaves, and I just would like to refer our listeners to the awesome interview that I did with David, uh, with Nick, I'm sorry. And that was episode 119, which was called How to Achieve an Amazing Customer Experience for Both Clients and Candidates. Um, so David explained to me that you had set up a, an executive search brand, um, which uh, as a kind of uh, sister company to Stanton House. So I'm really interested to hear all about that. But before we do, could you just share briefly how you got started in recruitment? Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, so I I got into recruitment in my early 20s. Um, I think that was in, in, I'm showing my age now, but back in the late 90s. Um, and uh, I was in a sales job prior to getting into recruitment and uh, I kind of fell into it and then fell in love with it. Um, so I joined um, what was a very rapidly growing um, large UK uh, recruiter at the time. Um, and my, my entry into the recruitment world was in, in, in interim or uh, temporary finance into um, tech and telco companies. Um, and I, I had a fantastic time with that business. I, I, I um, grew with the organization. I um, very quickly moved into management, um, set up a variety of different teams, set up different business lines for the company. So it took us into transformation and change and marketing. And um, yeah, we had we had some great adventures with that business. Um, and that was where I met Nick and Neil, who Nick, obviously, he's, you, you've spoken to already, but um the guys that, that that set up Stanton House, where I'm, I, I'm, I now uh, am based. Um, so there was a transaction that took place with that business, and 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 both of the guys left at that point. And and um, when I understood they're building something new, I, I came and joined them relatively quickly after that. Um, and I've had a fantastic time with with uh, with the business so far. Um, I've done a range of different jobs within the business from running our business in London to, to finance. But um, most recently, I'm, I've been tasked with uh, taking what we do and, and, and elevating that into the search world. So I've been on the hook, I suppose, since we started for a lot of the senior recruitment that we do. And um, 
you know, I, I mentioned you mentioned a moment ago that we're on track for a big number this year. Uh, to be clear, we, you know, I've been doing some senior recruitment all along, so it's not from a, necessarily from a standing start, but um, it was taking a lot of what those who've listened to Nick's podcast will, will understand, which is um, our principles about relationships and um, delivering insight and, and, and a brilliant customer experience and taking that into the exec world and dealing with investors and folk in the boardroom. And um, it's been a, a brilliant, brilliant experience in setting up something new and, and, and getting to build that. Um, we, we actually, we had aspirations to do it and, and we were we were starting to work through the, the business plan of what it might look like just before uh, just before COVID hit. But um, that that particular intervention meant that we 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 put it back a little while. Um, and now we're off and, and raring, and we have this fantastic new brand in in Acuity Partners, um, which I, I can answer your questions on and tell you all about. All right, awesome. That was a good answer, David. You've compressed like. 20 years into about three minutes there so that we can get into the real uh, nitty gritty of what you're doing now. I'm just curious, um, you mentioned, what was the sales job you did initially prior to getting into (laughs) recruiting? I I, I sold, um, so it was one of those jobs that that was awful. And I don't mean that to anybody that worked there, but it was awful, but it taught me a lot of things. So I was selling, I, basically, as a, as a brand new graduate, I was selling advertising to managing directors and, and chiefs of big European PLCs to try and advertise their goods in in, in Asia, um, and it was a, it was a tough gig. You know, you you call an awful lot of people. You had an awful lot of people that didn't really want to speak to you, um, and it taught you a lot ironically about resilience because you just had Absolutely. to keep going there wasn't there wasn't really any other choice so when it came into uh, getting into recruitment and an understanding that you know rather than selling something what well, as i saw it was was pretty spurious um you were connecting people um you were helping people to uh, you know further their career or their experience and you were helping clients to solve really tangible problems, you know, problems that, that, that they needed an answer to there and then. Um, and then you built these relationships with them and you worked with them over, over the years and you became, you know, almost like a confidant or an advisor or trusted partner to them. Um, yeah, it, it seemed like a much better home for me um, rather than um, selling a, a, a title to, to, to directors around Europe. Totally. I get that. I think that's what attracts many people who end up in our industry is that it just feels like if you're going to be in a sales role and and you enjoy influencing people and 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 uh, building relationships and helping them solve problems, this is kind of the best sales job there is really in that for all the reasons you, you mentioned. Um, se- second question, uh, I you're the... The business you end up joining was Badenoch and Clark, I think. Yeah, that's that right. right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you're actually the second person I've interviewed from there as well. Um, I don't know if you would have crossed paths, but uh, Rob Green I've had on the show before. So, um, you know, Rob, I went to primary school with Rob Green. So there's a strange <laughs> twist for you. No way. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. No, I, I I worked with with Rob's out in in Asia these days. It has been for a long, mm. long time. But um, he's in Africa, yeah. actually. Yeah. Well, he's well, he's moved on since I last caught up with him. But yeah, he's a great guy. 
great guy. Yeah, super guy. Um, so that, the, the primary school thing is just a, a really, really bizarre coincidence. I mean, the, the chances <laughs> of that coming up are, are, are incredibly random, but there you go. Hilarious. Okay, interesting. So um, let's really, I wanted to spend the majority of our time talking about what you're doing right now, because it's yeah. super interesting. And so uh, the first half of 2022, you were only three people. And now I think you're up to, is it eight people now? Or yeah, we are. You've got plans to double net fee income in the next 12 months. So like as a startup, I know it's not a pure startup because you're, you've grown out of another business, mm. but that is exceptionally rapid growth. And I was just curious what you, like, what are the success factors that have enabled you to, to do that? Yeah. So you know, for, for your listeners to put it into perspective, um, we are very fortunate. So, so myself as the, the managing partner of, of Acuity, we're, we're fortunate that we're building a business out of another successful business and we have a platform. So to say that you could sort of stack us up against um, people who are building a, a business from a standing start, we have distinct advantages. We have, we already have a client base. Um, I have a, uh, a network and Many of my colleagues and, and Joe, who's been with the business, we we all have networks where, and and I can I can build an awful lot on this because it, it sort of feeds in a lot to what Nick talked about when when he was with you. But where we've really cultivated relationships and um, built that really important connection with those people over many years, so that um, it's not really from a standing start. But I, I guess that's one of the principles that we've always relied upon is that that. Building that network is, you know, it's kind of yours for life. Um, if you do the right thing by customers and you engage with them over time and you, I suppose if you have a process to do that, then all of a sudden nothing's really a standing start because you've got that equity with with um, key people. Now, I, I think where we're going now is that we're, we're doing um, much more specialised work. Um, we, we're, we're moving into a world where, um, we're, we're really trying to, to uh, build on some of the philosophies we had within the, the Stanton House business, um, one of which was about really being really narrow and, and deep in terms of the markets that you work within. So when we set up Acuity, we were very focused on um, working with clients who are um, in, in tech and, and predominantly tech that, that has some sort of positive impact on the world. So we do an awful lot of work in clean tech and stability um, and sustainability and um, uh, electrification of um, transport. Um, and we've done a lot of work in health tech. And, you know, I, I think it's really important that we align ourselves with growth markets and markets where our teams and our our, our people, because we've, we've got some brilliant people that join the business, um, can get excited about what they're doing and ha have a real um, passion for learning and being curious about the markets that they're in. So I suppose that the first thing is that concentration on being really specialized in what you do. And I can, I can build on that. Um, then there's this, this concept that, that, you know, you build a network, you, you, you really cherish your customers, you learn from your customers. And if you do the right thing by them day in, day out, and you've got the processes and systems to do that, then you find that you get referred and you, you you pick up business almost by osmosis, which is 
uh, a model that we're we're really really very um, very proud of. And then I, I suppose the, the 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 other thing is we we focused on building a, a proposition that was what we felt was exactly what's needed at the moment in search. So we are a you know most of the work that we do is retained. Um, we have a, a really really firm belief that our responsibility as a search partner is to deliver a result. Um, we have quite a few clients that we've worked with where they've been through a, a long process. It's a very well-run process, but it doesn't deliver the, the, the brilliant person, the brilliant connection that the, the company wants at the end of the day. Um, and so, you know, we set ourselves up with a, a set of values and uh, a way of working to make sure that that sort of relentlessly going after that 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 great connection, that brilliant connection, is how how we engage with the market, how we set up our working processes, and our commercial model is based on that, where you know a larger proportion of our our fees are based on um, on a successful outcome for the customer. So it was it was trying to bring together a, a sort of a sense of responsibility that that. We need to deliver results. We need to deliver brilliant people that make a fundamental difference to an organisation. Um, and if we do that in a way where we we have uh, customers that we uh, truly engage with and respect and and and, uh, uh, and treat brilliantly along the way, then you know, the, kind of the growth of the business looks after itself. Brilliant. We do love a process where um, everybody is super clear at the outset as to to how it's all going to work, and it all works seamlessly. And you put you know, uh, a real strong bunch of candidates through their paces to produce a, a short list of five and, and it all works, you know, very smoothly from there. I guess one of the things that's attracted us and is part of the reason why we have really good conversations with our customers to try and win work is that um, this focus on, on getting an outcome and not just running a process appeals to a lot of organisations that are growing and are um expanding or, or moving into new markets or, or, or um, doing something different. I don't think we'll ever be one of the, um, you know, we're not going to find FTSE 100 board members where the process is about, um, you know, the the the, 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 the rigour and it, it is all, all brought together in one place. And, you know, if, if the mandate changes, it changes fundamentally. I, I think we found ourselves a nice place in working with growth organisations, um, and it's a lot of fun in dealing with clients that are facing those really interesting challenges. Definitely. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm? and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment. Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique, while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. 
Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. All right. So I can I can see now why you've you haven't this hasn't not been from a standing start. You've you sort of hit the ground running because you already had relationships, you had um, you know, processes that worked well at Standard House that you've been able to adopt um at acuity as well you are very specialized which we're uh, you know huge advocates for in our coaching program is to really focus and not dilute your efforts across too many you know different and disparate areas uh you've chosen growth markets which of course is uh makes it easier to have a, a well-performing business right and you've chosen markets that the team are excited about. I mean, I think that is can't be understated how important it is. If you're excited about what you're doing and you're enjoying and are interested in the customers that you're working with, so much easier to to achieve a peak performance, right? Than if you're, you know, bored and or stale with what you're doing and you are just not curious about the companies and the individuals that you're you're working with. So I can see how this is all yeah. intersecting to produce a, a really uh, great outcome. The, the, I suppose the key word for us there, the, the word that you used was, was curious. Um, mm. And we, we often talk about people in, in our business that have great success that are um, interested in being interesting. So they've, they've got opinions and uh, that they are confident enough to, to challenge people and, and then they become... They become memorable because they have difficult conversations and they're able to leverage their experience or, you know, a podcast that they've listened to or something that they've, that they've read or that they've signed up to. And um, it's really important for us that, that, that people are fascinated by what they do. Um, it, it just means that, that the impact that they can have when they're, you know, meeting people for the first time or trying to pitch our business or, or go out and make new connections They've got interesting things to say, and um, we, we, we're very, very lucky because, as I said before, we've got a marketing department that a startup business of, of, of our size would, would never have that, that produces great content, and, and that content enables us to have conversations that are not just, um, you know, a, a, about an immediate pitch, but it's about a topic that that stakeholder or that person is really interested in. And, and the more tools that we can provide for our, our sales folk uh, to, mm. to enable them to have those conversations, um, it just builds on that sense that, you know, they're already interested in the markets they're dealing with, that they're, they're dealing with fascinating people. So we can mm. just, just keep fostering that. Then I, I think we're, we're on the right path. Okay. What you're, Talking about David is quite nuanced, so I hope that our listeners are up for the intellectual, um, you know, uh, exercise here. I would love to dig into this a little more. So you said a couple of really interesting things. One being interested in being interesting and um, bringing whatever they're reading or learning. Um, to the conversations that they're having with stakeholders in a way that allows them to um, be position themselves more on a peer level and actually 
challenge the customer. Um, now I understand that intellect. I like that makes sense at one level, but could you give an example of that in terms of like, if, if I wanted to replicate that and think, well, I'm going to, I'm going to intentionally follow David's uh, kind of advice here. And how would I go about that? And what would that look like? Well, in really simple terms, um, so if you're targeting a sector and, and you know, say it's clean tech or something that we're in, um, then following the right companies on, on LinkedIn, setting up Google alerts for the right companies, following, um, you know, finding the right podcasts, finding, um, you know, the, the, the sort of reading material that um, that is actually going to interest you because you know not not everybody loves reading people consume things in different ways people are motivated by many many different things so i don't necessarily think there's there's one answer for for, for everyone but setting it up so it's easy so that you're getting feeds you know in my experience you, you don't need to be um you don't need to be the smartest guy or girl in the room to 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 be able to have an impact you 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 just need to know things that will be interesting to the audience that, that you're speaking to and to, to leverage them and you need to you need to retain them you need to you need to have a um a sort of a, a bank of interesting stuff that you can talk about and we we find that quite often the easiest way to do this is is to work as a team uh, if it's all down to you and and you know that's that's a difficult thing for somebody who's who sat at their own and on their own at home is building a business. But but if there's more than one of you, then then you can share out the responsibility. And and if you have you know whatever it's whether it's Teams or Slack or whatever it might well be, channels set up so that you you share those kind of little tidbits of information that that people can then pick up on and and use to you know whether it's information on deals or companies M and A activity or whatever it might well be, um, then it just gives you something to open a conversation with that isn't, let me tell you, just about our business. You can start by asking really good questions of the person that you're speaking to, which, you know, as we all know, makes them feel that you're interested in them. And, and it's, a, it's a, a better platform on which to build on. Um, okay. I'm, I'm getting this. So it's like you're immersing yourself in the, in the world and the, uh, you know, uh, milieu of the, of the customer and really understanding what's going on, what the issues are, what the hot topics are, what the threats, challenges, opportunities are in that space and being able to have, you know, meaningful conversations around those topics, or at least ask the right questions, uh, to show the client that you belong in this conversation. Um, you mentioned Google alerts, which is a great, uh, one and, uh, are there any other kind of sources that you rely on? Well, th- there's, yeah, there's the there's the one that's probably easiest, and um, we have you know built up relationships with with some fascinating people down the years, um, and um, I think when when Nick was speaking to you, he was talking about how Stanton House as a business puts a lot of stock in Net Promoter Score and the customer experience that we, yes. we do, but we also have a kind of operating rhythm whereby it's all, we almost regard it as a bit foolish that if you develop a relationship with somebody who um, is going to be, you know, where there's mutual 
benefit that later down the line then not staying in contact and, and letting that sort of wither on the vine is is negligent um and a bit daft really um so you know we put we put sort of mechanisms in place to make sure that people are get get you know prompts to say well you haven't spoken to that 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 uh, person for a long time now or you know we said it you know three months is 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 our sort of expectation but what that means is you, you you're constantly getting prompts to speak to interesting people if you ask them the right questions you will find out interesting things and so mm. i think the, the crux of this just goes back to a behavioral point of if you're in any form of recruitment forget search for a moment but but the more curious you are with your candidates and clients and the more that they share their experiences and their understanding and their, their expertise then the easier it is for you to build up this bank of knowledge as to how you you go and uh, leverage that to have another interesting conversation with someone else right 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 okay okay i get you now so what you're saying is um the best source of this kind of insight and market intelligence is talking to your clients and candidates and asking you know but and really being curious and learning about their world, their industry, their job. And every time you have one of those conversations, you get smarter and you're able to bring that data, those data points into the next conversation and it kind of snowballs from yeah. there. So that- There's, there's one ahead. caveat to that. And I, I'm desperately trying to think about who, who said this, um, but there is a commonly, it might well be that somebody in our business has made this up. So if it is the case, then you do excuse me, but- um, there is a belief that either we have or is it's somebody smarter than me came up with that, that people only share with you what they think you're capable of understanding. So the needs, this is the, the point about you, you've got to do a, a range of different things and there's no one perfect answer. If they don't think, you know, you're going to understand or be interested in the smart thing that they want to tell you, they won't, they won't bother sharing it with you. So. Mm. That's why having some interesting things to say and, 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 and being curious about the sector or the, the market that you're in, having that knowledge, it's almost like a growth accelerator on what other people will tell you because they, mm. they assume that you have the capability to consume more, more information, more insight, and, and understand more about what they're talking about. Mm. Interesting. All right. I like that. Um, this just points to the importance of being quite specialized because it enables you to gain that deep insight into your particular market, which if you're, if you're too generalist, you're never going to, well, it will take much longer, let's say, to develop that depth of insight that makes clients respect you and, and want, and, and actually, um, see you as a as a trusted partner so i think this all blends together and actually you've given um you've given me a solution david i don't know unintentionally to a dilemma that i've been pondered i've pondered in the past because people have asked me this which is can a, a young person without a huge amount of commercial experience do a credible job in exec search 
And or do you have to have either come from industry or just been doing search, you know, recruiting a long time and grown up with your own customers so that maybe you started out recruiting more junior people, they get promoted and your relationships mature, which is another route. And um, I someone I had on the podcast actually challenged me on this before and said, because he believed that in order to do exec search, you have to be older, more mature, and have some actual experience. And I, th- and I actually don't agree with that. I think someone who's smart and curious and uh, confident can earn credibility at senior level. And I think maybe this is the way that you do it. It's having that curiosity and that um, capacity to learn and ask lots of questions and have more and more meaningful conversations with people very quickly, you know, enables you to know what the issues are and to speak the customer's language and ask them intelligent questions. Um, but anyway, that's my opinion. But what do you think? So I, um, what do I think? Well, I fall into the old camp, so this is dangerous mm. for me. Yeah, right. Um, but I'm thinking of your team members. Like <laughs> that, when you're recruiting joking. for your team, David, um, would you consider someone who is younger and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, but just super ambitious, smart, and uh, and capable? So, yeah. Absolutely. So, so we've got a, a mix on the team um, um, of people who have such experience before. And people who who are relatively new and and, and are, are coming through, and we've got one uh, individual at the moment who's coming through from you know having spent you know uh, 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 five or six months running search processes and everything else. He, his development is so rapid that that, that that we have no qualms about letting him um, this individual um, uh, develop their own business and actually partner properly with with clients. Um, I think the the thing that's fundamentally changed is there is or individuals have access to to so much data, so many learning opportunities. Um, the, the 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 need to to learn everything by practice is is no longer there, and you can become an expert in something quite quickly. I, I think you know if I think about myself, I rely on. Lots of stuff that I've learned through managing people, through seeing the economy go up and the economy go down, and and what that's meant for the businesses that I've been involved in, and and I, I'm I'm certain that the fact that you know I've been involved in running businesses for 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 many years has uh, a positive impact on the, the the ability that I personally have to to have conversations, but. You know, I've got a responsibility to impart that on on other people, and and all of that information is there. So I I don't think that that you know number of years on the clock should be a, a barometer of whether people can be successful or not. Mm. How curious you are, yeah. and how hard you're willing to work in order to make sure that you have interesting things to say, and that you are able to challenge people's thinking on what they want to do and how they want to do it is you know the, the fundamental of adding value in in search and what we do and that's that shouldn't be taken as a as a factor of age or, or years mm. of experience so I, I i agree with you with the caveat that you know, you have to work really hard if you're dealing with very senior people 
and and particularly if you you know if you're dealing with an investor where actually the um, this appointment might be the most important thing that they'll do in in the year, it's quite high stake stuff. So you you need to put the effort in to be the, the professional that 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 delivers the right outcome in that situation. But that is that's a function of of how you apply yourself to to learning and um, how how quickly you you know you 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 suck up all the information around you and you learn from others around you. It's not Definitely. just a, fu- a function of tenure. Yeah, no, it, totally. And um, I, I'm, I mean, if you, the more we talk about this, I'm just thinking about um, if you go to work for a McKinsey or Bain & Company or something like this, they're recruiting these, you know, top MBAs and then putting them through a kind of boot camp and then letting <laughs> them loose on clients advising, you know, large companies on how they should run things. These kids have not run businesses and managed large teams before, um, but they've. that doesn't mean they can't add value. Well, those those people are, are um, well, let's be honest, there's, there's some pretty smart people that, that work for those companies. Um, and um, so therefore their ability to to learn, one has to assume is, is um, right up Immense. there um, yeah. in, in terms. So, you know what they'll be able to do is is synthesize all that learning and actually um you know offer guidance to clients on what they want to do based on learning as opposed to experience but uh, you know I, i'm not sure i'm the one to say that which is which is the 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 the, the, the better option um yeah, in some cases experience better. trumps it because you've got the, yeah. the war stories and you yeah. you've seen where it's all gone wrong and i'm a massive believer in in this sort of growth mindset of you make mistakes, you learn from mistakes, and you—you—you—that's probably your greatest ever learning opportunity. Um, yeah. But it, so it's—it's. It, it's, I don't think there's necessarily a sort of binary answer to it. It's—it's it's a. Um, it's got a complex question, but I, totally, I don't believe yeah. you have to be, you know, been there and done everything to be great at what I do, anyway. Well, we have a um, we have a client in our inner circle who just recently won a pitch against Hydrogen Struggles. She's a one-person um, recruiter. She won a pitch against Hydrogen Struggles, filled a couple of C-level roles with a customer, and has recently been invited to speak with... Uh, they invited her to LA. She's based in, over here in Europe to speak to um, their investors and at a, at a conference. But the value she's bringing even though she's much younger, is she's an expert on uh, diversity and inclusion um, and bringing that into your search process and making your PE firm, in her case, more uh, diverse. It's with a particular emphasis on getting more women into private equity. So she has a particular expertise which these companies lack and which she's able to... um, she's able to leverage in order to win business, even though she has, you know, no gray hair and uh, is fresh faced, you know? So I think, I think it's finding what is, what is the value that you're going to bring that you can make an impact on your, your client companies and then, and leveraging that. Um, She, she, she sounds like she, she's a perfect example of somebody who has, um, has a sort of a premium to offer that others don't have. 
and I suspect she's probably worked very hard in a, in a pretty short space of time in yeah. order to, to 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 sharpen that. And you know that that's just fantastic to see. Um, yeah, and and long may it continue. Totally. So shout out to Alexis, um, <laughs> Alexis Alvarez, and she's got her own podcast as well, which we'll link to in the in the show notes here. So um, David, I wanted to ask you. Um, well, look, before we leave the, the acuity thing, uh, I know you had mentioned your values and, and how that impacts your work. Would you briefly outline those? And, and Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, it was really interesting. It's, it's the first time I, 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 I've, I've done this where we, we work with the business to, to really refine what our, our go-to-market proposition is and our vision and values and everything else. It's, it's a fascinating exercise. Um, really, really enjoyed it, and, and and we went through a process whereby we we talked about what was important to us and important to our customers, and trying to get the balance right between a set of values that meant um, something to us in terms of how we behave with each other and how we behave in, internally as an organisation, and how it's represented in the, the solution we offer to our customers. So, um, we, we we came up with the 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 vision that that um. Acuity was was born, I suppose, to enable businesses to outperform by relentlessly connecting brilliant people. And then we kind of, you know, you're on one of those mood board exercises, um, mind map, so that we we started to look at things like this curiosity um, and the, the hard work that goes into making a search happen and who we wanted to be. So we, we ended up coming up with the values of um, um, being incisive. So that, that's about being able to cut through a lot of the clutter to find the right solutions, to ask the right questions, to bring knowledge, to um, move a discussion, move debate forward. We, we, we toyed with, but stayed with the, um, the word relentless. Um, and the, the discussion around that was really interesting because one of the challenges we, 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 we were um, posed was, was, is relentless a... Um, does it have bad connotations in the world of sales and recruitment that they just they never, you know, they never take no for an answer. They're not listening. It's but for us, it meant that we we keep going, we keep supporting each other, we keep pushing each other until we get the right result for for acuity and for our, our customers. And it, it really felt that as if you twin twin that with the customer experience, that actually it's it's really important that we. That our customers know that that we're putting it putting it in to get the right result for them, and then the, the last um, value that we we felt was really important in in executive search was to be humble. Um, we have what we think is a really good process. We um, have a research team that um, has a variety of different tools and obviously our network that, 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 that has a, a really, really thorough process in terms of how we, we go out and map markets or, or roles in order to, to make sure that we, you know, not just find the best people, but address uh, support clients to uh, address DNI issues and all that sort of um, um, uh, really important stuff that goes on in, in a search process. But, you know, Whilst we do that, we also we have to be humble and authentic enough to to admit that we don't know everything. That 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 um, we uh, are there to earn the trust of, of everybody in that process, and that that um, 
we we may well sometimes have to adopt our customers' priorities as our own and not necessarily saying it has to be done this way, but we've got to listen to them and we've got to adapt and we've got to we've got to deliver a solution that works for whoever it is that we're partnering with at the time. So we we felt that it was really important to get a set of values together that that meant that represented actually quite a lot of what we talked about today, Mark, but also this determination and the ability to uh, to move forward in a way where we, we, we have respect for everybody in that process. Love it. Humility is top on one of my values as well. And um, you certainly embody that, sir. Um, so uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love speaking to people who are successful and humble at the same time. Um, tell me about uh, what you and I did some pre-work prior to mm. um, getting on the, on the call here. And I ask about, we have this pro we, we have an, by the way, if any of our listeners want to launch their own podcast, come and talk to us because I, we're not perfect and we're still learning, but we've put out something like 150 episodes now. And we have a very um, good process for producing these things. Uh, so have you ever dreamed of launching, scaling, and one day selling your recruitment business? If so, I highly recommend you speak to Recruitment Entrepreneur. Founded by former Dragon's Den star James Kahn, Recruitment Entrepreneur is the world's leading private equity firm specifically focused on the recruitment industry. They invest in startups and scale-ups and have already backed over 30 founders. There's no reason why you couldn't be their next joint venture partner. James's first company, Alexander Mann, sold in 2013 for $260 million. His second venture, Humana International, he grew with Doug Bugey to over 140 offices in 30 countries before selling to MRI. James and his team are actively looking for ambitious recruiters from across the United States and around the world who want to partner with them to launch and scale successful recruitment businesses. They provide the funding, expertise, mentoring, and back office support to make your dream a reality. To learn more about Recruitment Entrepreneur in the USA or anywhere globally, go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC as in venture capital. Book a discovery call with them and be sure to tell them that you were sent by Mark Whitby in the Resilient Recruiter podcast. Once again, visit recruitmentcoach.com forward slash VC. You kindly filled out a, a questionnaire for us and we asked about your achievements and you cited that one of them was uh Starting a desk as a fee earner again after having like run large teams and not been at the coal face. Could you talk a little bit about that experience? Yeah, it was um, it's very daunting. So, so when I, was the, what, this you, was back when when I first when I first joined Nick and Neil and we uh, uh, at Stanton House. We were in a tiny little office in in, in Chancery Lane, um, and I'd just come out of running. Yeah, about 100, however many people I was looking after at, at Baden and Clark. Um, and where I actually, you know, I, I had quite a few client relationships, but they were mainly with, because of the nature of what I did there, people who ran, you know, big contract lists for, for huge global PLCs and where, you know, um, you know, as a as a startup business with a couple of us in a, in a, in a room, um you know, we weren't going to make that much headway trying to recruit for, you know, the FTSE 10 or whatever it might all be. So you're sat all of a sudden, you've got a phone, you've got a, a laptop, and and I haven't actually done this for, I don't know, seven, seven or eight years. Um, 
And it's pretty daunting. You know, I'd spent the last six or seven years telling people or coaching people or helping people and, and trying to help them along the path of this is what, this is how you be successful. And all of a sudden you, you, you put to the sword on that. It's, it's, um, it's just got, there's no really other option, Mark, other than to just dig deep and, and, and actually try and practice what you preach. But um, absolutely. But there must be a feeling of shit. I hope I can still do this. Oh, you feel like an absolute charlatan. It's <laughs> exactly. If it's, I having coached all these people and now if I can't actually yeah. do a deal, then my credibility is shot. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. Absolutely. But, um, but you know, mm. in actual fact, um, it's taught me something that, that, that has, has been both uh, if you speak to my colleagues, has been a blessing and a curse. Actually, what it rekindled was the fact that I, I actually love the, the client interaction and the process, and I, I love recruitment. Um, so, you know, actually running processes and being in at the coalface, it it gave me an opportunity to actually think, do you know what, this, this customer stuff and actually sales and business development and um, – it showed me a little bit that I'd missed out on that, and, and actually I'd missed the, uh, the, the the sort of high level and constant client interaction that doing that gave me. Um, and um, you know, as it moves forward, and as you start, you know, leading bigger groups again, I think that's one of the, the challenges that I, I still wrestle with is finding that balance between maintaining that network that we put such a uh, a great importance in and, and actually you know many of those people that you work with you, you, you they, they become your sort of uh, professional associates and you 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 know them well and you want to catch up with them and then leading through others and developing other people and and, and spending your time enabling others to have huge success it's 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 a it's always one of those um fine lines that you've got to balance out to make sure that that, that you're not over indexing on one over the other yeah, finding that balance for sure. So take me back to that time. You're um you know, you're you've been recruited with great expectations by <laughs> uh by Nick and Neil, is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh but they're like, okay, but you have to build, you have to help us build this. So it means you're like, there's your phone, here's your laptop, have at it. What's going through your head and how did you like, how did you go about it? I, I, do you know what? I, I, um, I don't think I did anything that, that most of your listeners or most people who, who've, who've spoken to you wouldn't do. You, you get a, a logical plan together in terms of how to approach your, your, um, your market. We, we got a real clear value proposition as to well, why us, why this little business that's just suddenly emerged onto the face of the earth. Why me? What am I? What do I offer that that that, that others um, that others don't? And you get you get pretty articulate on on that pretty quickly. And then the reality is, you get organised, and you get a structure and a plan in place, and then you work hard. <laughs> and um, I go back to what I said earlier on: being a being smart and being able to think about. Well, What's going to interest this person? How am I going to be slightly different from 
everybody else that's that, that that's calling trying to get in front of these people because let's be honest there's, there's there's a lot of us out there that are trying to make headway um so what can i share who can i introduce them to how can i help that person in a way that i'm going to become memorable to them and you know when when they move on they'll they'll come to me rather than somebody else so i think the thing that that stood firm in all of that was the principle of um this whole thing coming back to the beginning on customer experience is that we treated people as people um we we helped people without an expectation that something would come back because invariably it does so we spent a lot of time well i spent a lot of time coaching people on 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 their cv helping people who were weren't even perhaps interviewing through us interviewing through somebody else with the aim that it was my job to kind of curate and build this network of influential folk who then you know when the opportunities came around they'd come back and say actually i, I remember you helped me there and actually i need you to help me with this and you know, once you get going on that, it becomes a bit of a snowball effect, and and um, all of a sudden you you start to build things. Let, I, I just want to pick up on this. I think it's so important, and if people might not understand the importance of what you just said, um, I think during the pandemic, especially when things completely shut down. Uh, there was an opportunity and a few recruiters took advantage of it and most didn't. That opportunity may come again in 2023 where the market shifts to more client-driven, where it's been highly candidate-driven you know, for the last uh, long time. And with more candidates coming onto the market and being available and interested in you know, uh, getting a job and but the Typically, recruiters don't make time for that because they're like, I can't, I don't have a job for that person. So I'm just going to, you know, ignore or just send them a, a, a template email or whatever. Um, and the missed opportunity is exactly what you just said. How can I help somebody who potentially could become a client? You know, this is a senior person uh, who, Sooner or later, they're gonna they're gonna land on their feet. They're gonna find their next uh, opportunity. It may not be through me, but how can I give some value to that person now, such that it does um, earn a relationship that may come back to us at some stage in the future? And it's that sort of thinking that you've just described, which. Um, often gets overlooked. And I understand the reasons why recruiters are stressed, overwhelmed, busy. They've got targets to hit. And someone who's not going to help you make target this month or this quarter, it's it's hard to find or justify the time to speak to those individuals. But I, uh, I can see why that's worked for you. I think the, the kind of fundamental in all of this is that if you're you know, if you're a senior level recruiter, um, in my experience, and, you know, I'm sure there'll, there'll be people that will talk contrary to it. If you build a, a network uh, of people, and some of those might be candidates, some of them might be clients. In fact, they're just people. They're people who right. you could either help find other people or help them find a job. But that that's yeah. the reality of it. They're, they're, they're people. The challenge comes along is if, you, if you're not 
narrow enough in what you do, you try and help too many people. And then all of a sudden you right. become, you know, the boy with his fingers in the dam and you, you, you're not focused on, on, on really, you know, critical activities. But, but if, if you're in something that you can kind of get your hands around um, and then you're focused on, well, look, my job is to build relationships and add value to people who are going to make an impact in, in that world. If you help them prepare for an interview or you share a piece of insight with them that, that you know, you, you've picked up from somewhere else and uh, you send it over to them and, and, and actually, you know, I, I thought you might be interested in this. Those things just make you stick out. And quite often those things are the, 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 the things that will be the sort of hidden catalyst in how quickly you can build your desk or, 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 or become successful. Great. A great answer, David, because you've just solved, because the objection I get when I propose something like that is, oh, but I just don't have time. Like it's, I, I, I'm not a charity. I have to have to make money, which to completely agree with. And I'm not proposing that anyone start a CV writing service on the side here or anything like that, where you're, you're trying to re you're trying to help a wider audience, mm. but it comes back to the earlier conversation we had about being a niche specialist. If Every single person that you might talk to is sooner or later potentially going to be a client, a candidate, or a referral source. Then you that every conversation is going to be productive in some way, shape, or form in the short, medium, or long term. Yeah, not everything's going to pay off straight away, right? Um, but totally. it is, it is about building something critical. And you go back to your your point a little while ago about you know can um can can uh, less experienced individuals be successful well, well if you think about the the career trajectory for those folks if, if what they do is, is is start building that that network in their early 20s by the time they get to the 30s it's full of really influential people and you know you, you your life becomes actually an awful lot easier as a recruiter because because you've got these connections and you've got you know calls and meetings with with people that you actually really enjoy spending time with and and um you know that's when that all that hard work at the the outset starts to really pay off well said 100% um and this is a long game like for sure you can have pretty rapid success in recruitment and and uh but you know it just keeps if you put in the work and you build the networks and the relationships as you described, then um, the job should get easier over time. I know it doesn't always <laughs> feel like that, um, but uh, David, do you do? You, are you open to talking about mental health? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, look, I, I, this is uh, sort of a taboo taboo subject, especially in recruiting. It can be quite a macho you know, like environment where you aren't allowed to be vulnerable and, and, or show, show weakness in, in some firms. And yet, um, that's just not realistic in the way human beings are, are wired. And I, I think this is a topic that you personally, um, is important to you and you've brought into your, um, into your leadership. So would you talk a little bit about your mental health journey? Yeah. So I, I, this is part of what I didn't explain when I when I first started, and, and I don't know whether you were alluding to this at the time. But when I when I first started with um, with the business, um, 
with Stanton House, um, and I was sat there with my my laptop and my my mobile phone. Um, it was shortly after the birth of our our second um, child, so um, my, my son Lucas, um, and we had a pretty difficult time of that. So Lucas has a condition, um, something called hydrocephalus, which I knew nothing, zero, zero about. So it came massive shock, and and that's that's a condition where. It, um, where he has his translation is water on the brain, but it, it, it means that he can't he he can't drain spinal fluid from his brain. So so he um he had to have a, a an operation when he was three months old to have a, a device fitted that that does that for him, um, and um, that is prone to going wrong. And so he's had um, twenty five different brain surgeries related to it but so many of them happened in um in my early years with the company um and actually do you know what i was i wasn't that great at dealing with it i kind of bottled it up and did a pathetically male thing where i just tried to to, to deal with it all but um i've learned an awful lot about um why that's a terrible idea um and and how to actually uh Get some processes in place and some some ways of thinking and behaving in place that that really help with that. And um, I think it's a, it's a brilliant thing that 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 these days um, people talk about it. I mean, this is going back. You know, he's now started secondary school. I mean, wow. he's in the first term of secondary school, so it was quite some time ago now. But um, amazing. You know what 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 how it manifested in me was that. I couldn't control anything with him, so I, I was desperate to control every other part of my my world and my job. And, and you place so much pressure on yourself, and, and it, it creates creates anxiety and and all of those things, which I, I've now worked through. But when I see what we're doing as an organisation now, um, and I've, I've got some fantastic colleagues, but one thing in the last year that I'm I'm super proud of that that. Um, the wider Stanton House business has done is that, that one of my colleagues, Esther, who's a superstar, um, launched something called the Empathy Series within the business. Um, and yeah, nobody really understood what, what was going on to start off with because we've had discussions about menopause, um, men's mental health, about eating disorders, about addiction, um, really difficult topics where um, we've created a forum for people in the business to share their experiences and to actually talk about what they've been through and what they're, they're going through and, and why they're, they're not alone in wrestling with a lot of these topics. And it's been hugely enlightening for me to learn about what what some of my colleagues are going through and, uh, and their struggles and how they might not be a million miles away from me. And the one thing that really jumps out is it, it, it really helps you to understand that, that lots of people are wrestling with some really complex topics and issues. And you should never assume that you understand what's going on with somebody and that that, that the sort of question to say, uh, how are you doing? Are you okay? is such an important one to, to, to really support your colleagues and actually make sure that, that, that you help people to you know, find a way to, to, to plot their own way through um, a lot of this stuff because it's it's thorny, it's really complicated, and it's it's really difficult to deal with if you're just doing it on your own. Wow, that is incredible um, and and super interesting, David. Um, 
what I mean, what you're you described that you went through is like every parent's worst nightmare. And I'm so um, happy and relieved to hear that, you know, that uh, it's got a happy. No, he's uh, he's he's all good. Ending. He's all good. You, you'd never um, know. He's um, it's like most 11 year old boys. He's he, he causes trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but oh, he's, yeah. Uh, he's, he's fantastic. And, um, oh, you know, brilliant. it's. Um, it's one of those things whereby you, you look you look back on it and touch wood he's very well at the moment but um uh, it's been a learning experience for my family but but I've got a wonderful family and I'm I'm I count myself as very lucky absolutely i i i hear that um your initiative within the business this empathy series sounds really interesting how how does it work in like practically, David, how do you, well, how's it structured? How's it rolled out? And how do you get people to be that open um, with colleagues and get, and get them to open up on, on these difficult issues? So um, I can't claim any, any responsibility for this. Um, some people, uh, you know, far smarter than me, came up with it, um, and a lot of effort goes into it. But but it's it, it's something that is, I think, hugely appreciated and valued by our our um, you know my, my colleagues and, and and everybody in the business. Um, the, the structure of it is really straightforward. Um, we have a call every other month, I think it is, um, every six weeks. And there's a topic that's set up and um, uh, it will be introduced. And then a couple of people in the business who who have been through and shared um, in, in a much smaller group will then open up and share their experiences with with um, their colleagues. It's all done on VC. It's got um, uh, uh, colleagues in the US that contribute to this and, and, and globally as well. So it, it, it's a, an all, all company call. And only a few people speak, um, but it you, you only have to see the, the sort of the chat feed to understand how appreciated their uh, humility and their honesty and their bravery is by by everybody else in the company. And um, you know there are there are tears and um, whatever, but but um, do, do you know what it? I, as I said, I, I can't claim to have any of the inspiration for, for for any of this, but it's it's one of the things that that I, I think, as a leader within the business, that I'm most proud of is the willingness for some of the people who have shared to step up and, and talk about what they're going through in the service of helping their colleagues to understand some of the stuff that's going on in their world. Um, and it's just it, it's a brilliant, brilliant thing to to um, to have. In, in the company and um you know it, it just makes you admire some of the people you work with in terms of how how brave they are in in contributing love that that is awesome so david what is the what's the vision for acuity then where where are you headed well um we i mean we, we, we we've we want to to grow we want to you know we want to be a three four five million pound um, net fee income search firm. We we want to work with fascinating and interesting companies, but I, I think it, it is very much about we want to grow in 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 little niches. So, you know, the more that we can go from the sectors that we're in to subsectors and build on on the sort of narrow and and deep philosophy 
the better. But that's that's the, the game plan. We've only just started out, so um, it will be about building in. And at the moment, we the the bulk of everything we do is in Europe. We've done a lot of you know we've done work in the US and Asia and. Uh, but but I, I, I'd love to think that we can leverage our experiences in the US to, to, to get out there into that what is a, uh, a fantastic market um, and continue to build a, um, a business that's really connecting, uh, you know, fantastic people, brilliant people for our, our, our clients. David, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this uh, conversation and uh, let's keep in touch. I, uh, I'd love to hear the next. Um, Absolutely. You know, how the acuity journey evolves well it's been fantastic talking with you mark so thank you very much for your time thank you so much for listening to the resilient recruiter if you've enjoyed the show the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button thanks again and i'll see you next time